0: Almighty God, we commend this offering into your hands that you'll use this offering that those around us will be able to experience the love and grace of your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray, amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 23. Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 23. And thank you, choir, for that anthem. What a beautiful, beautiful message. Luke chapter 9. Where Luke writes. Then he, meaning Jesus, said to them all, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words of them the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels but truly i tell you there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of god this is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god let us pray almighty god we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Sometimes it's challenging to find our way around. Now the good thing is when we're driving, most of us now have GPS and and so we have a little voice that tells us, turn right up here, turn left, do this, do that. And it even puts, you know, the speed limit in the lower corner just so you know, and don't go any faster than this. But once you get where you're going, sometimes it can be quite a challenge to find your way around from there. I mean, sometimes it's, it's challenging, like go to a hospital now. I mean I go to hospitals on a regular basis we all do and and sometimes we go I have finally got this hospital figured out I know how to get my way around and then you'll go in one day and you'll see plastic up and you'll see you know under construction and all the hallways that you used to know are now different and, and it's challenging and, and you go in sometimes and, and it's like well I'm looking for this person and they tell you the room and and here's what you do Go down this hallway and then take a right and then go down till you see two more hallways. Take a left and then go to the gold elevators, not the silver ones, because the silver ones won't get you there. Get on the gold elevators and go up to the third floor. But I'm going to the fifth floor. I know, but these elevators won't take you to the fifth floor. You got to go to this elevator, to get to the third floor, then you go down here and then you go there and you go here and then you get up to the fifth floor. You know, and it's just absolutely amazing to try to find your way around. And, and sometimes you know, hospitals now will give you a map. This will help you get where you need to go. And and once in a while, once in a while, you'll have that blessed moment when someone will go, follow me, I'll take you there. And you go, oh, thank you. I mean, there's something about going with somebody who knows where they're going. Something about being led around by somebody that you know you can trust and that you know you can follow. I'll tell you, the first time we went to Kenya... I really believe that, that the team and I were going to die. I mean, I'm not making it up. This is a absolutely a true story. We all kind of felt it because we have this amazing ministry. Some of you were there. We have this uh, uh, amazing ministry that's in Yahururu, which is where the children's home is and and where the pastor school is and some of the churches we support. But out in the Samburu, which is beautiful country, but that's the bush country of Kenya. That's where some of the villages are that that we support. And some of the pastors and the churches are up in those regions. And we were going there to visit with them and, and to spend some time sharing with them and And we get up to the Samburu and it's now dark, it's at night and and, and here we are at this place where we were supposed to stay and we go in and we sit down and start having dinner only to find out they had double booked. The rooms we were supposed to be staying in, somebody else was already there. Already in the rooms. We had a problem because when you're out in the bush country, it's not like, well, that's fine. We'll just go over to the Holiday Inn over here, or we'll just go over to the best Western, or, you know, we'll just grab. There, there, where are we going to go? Pastor Simon from Kenya, he started uh, having conversation with the people who own the place, and, and, and we would go, you know, is everything okay? And, and Simon, being the gracious host, would go, it's fine, it's fine, everything's good. But Carol Wyant, who was with our group was the smart one. She asked Simon's he Simon's wife, Lucy, <laughs> is this okay? And she goes, No, this is bad. Because <laughs> one of the problems that you have out there is you just don't leave the San Bruno and decide I'll drive back to Nyaruru you know, a couple of hours away. Because well, between the two, there are lions. As a matter of fact, one day Simon was telling that he was leaving the Samburu, coming back to Nyaruru, and, and his car broke down and it was late at night and, and he doesn't normally travel at night and he said he had to sleep in the car. You couldn't get out and walk to the next village because he could hear the, the lions roaring in the distance. You just kind of sleep in the car. What are we going to do? So they made some phone calls and Simon said, I think I've got us a solution. And, and and so then, you know, we get in the vans again and we start heading off and, and we're leaving the village going out into the darker and darker and darker night. I mean, it's amazing when you get out where there are no street lights, you can see stars. <laughs> That's all the light we had, except for the headlights on the vehicle. And, and then we came up to this little store and... And this, you know, Simon gets out and he goes in and he comes back out. And there's a guy who comes out and gets on a little trail bike. And, and Simon says, he's going to lead us where we're going. So great. Well, then we, we turned off onto like little dirt roads. Like, like one lane little dirt roads. Like cross the ditch in the gully dirt roads. And I'm thinking, we're going to die. I'm thinking, obviously we survived. I'll just go ahead and let you know the story. But, but I mean, it was, it was kind of scary. I mean, we were out in the middle of nowhere and following this guy that was on a trail bike and and, and we had no clue where we are going and I thought, he's going to lead us out here somewhere that we're going to get robbed and killed. Which is just going to totally mess up the whole Kenya mission because once that happens, <laughs> we'll never get anybody to go back. <laughs> All of a sudden, we saw some lights and... A beautiful safari lodge appears, and, and, and there are guards to keep you safe. And, and actually, it was a beautiful place, a beautiful enough place that we said, next time we come back up here, this is where we ought to stay. Because in the morning, you know, they had water troughs and things in the back, and, and while you're eating breakfast, the zebra and other animals come right up and, and drink right there in the back. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. What Simon neglected to tell us when he was talking in Swahili is the guy on the trail bike was one of the pastors. We thought it was just a guy that Simon goes, How do you get there? Follow me. I'll take you. (laughs) It makes a difference who you're following and knowing that who you're following can be trusted. Jesus says, Follow me. And the crowds are so ready. I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll go with you. I want to go with you, Jesus. And why not? Man, I want to go to Jesus. Why? Because we had lunch yesterday. It was awesome. I mean, if you just back up a few verses from where we began in chapter 9, you'll see where Jesus and the disciples were there along the Sea of Galilee, and over 5,000 people were there. Some of the scripture says 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, so five ten fifteen thousand we don't know how many people there were there were a multitude of people and 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 jesus is teaching them and and the disciples come up and go we need to let these folks go home and get something to eat and jesus goes no let's just feed them here and and philip looks at jesus and said you got to be crazy you know it'd take like six months salary just to be able to buy enough bread to feed these people and jesus said what do you have and andrew comes up and goes oh good news you know he's being sarcastic I mean, he had to be being sarcastic. Great news, Jesus. There's a little boy here. He's got five loaves of bread, and they're barley loaves, so it's not even the good stuff. we got five loaves of bread and, and, and a couple of fish. What is that among so many people? I mean, he's actually going, that's not enough for the 13 of us, you know, the 12 disciples plus Jesus. I mean, that wouldn't even feed all of us. And he even says to Jesus, but what is that among so many people? And Jesus goes, actually, it's perfect. Have had the crowd sit down, and they sat down and, And this is important. Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And they then fed the crowds, fed the crowds to the point they were full. I mean, it's not like we each got a nibble, we each got a crumb. They were full. With 12 baskets left over. And the crowd's going, this is awesome. We're going to follow this Jesus. We'll never be hungry again. I mean, did you see what he did? As a matter of fact, I'm not making it up because John chapter 6 tells you that the next day, Jesus looks up and here come the crowds again. And Jesus sees the crowds and he goes, hold on a minute, hold on. I got to ask you a question. Are you following me because you want to follow me? Or are you following me because you ate dinner last night and it's time for breakfast? Why are you really following me? It's a great question. I'll follow you, Jesus. I mean, you eat well, you go with Jesus, you're never going to be hungry again. I mean, wasn't that fish great, cooked to perfection? I think it was tilapia, wasn't it? It was awesome. We'll follow Jesus. I'll follow you. Jesus knows how to have a good time, Jesus knows how to have a party. I'll follow you, Jesus, because when you go with Jesus, i mean jesus can keep things going what was the very first miracle that jesus performed water to wine he was at a wedding and came of galilee weddings were the event i mean it was the place to be if you had a wedding people wanted the invitation and and showing up at that that event i mean that was the social thing so jesus is at a wedding we don't know exactly who's getting married maybe somebody in Jesus' extended family because his mother Mary seems to have some sense of responsibility or desire to make sure things are going well. And, And as the party's going, a horrible thing happens. They run out of wine. You want to talk about embarrassing? You run out of wine? I mean, it's the social event I mean, people are all there, family, friends, everybody's around. You, you run out of wine, you will never live it down. You know um, Jim and Medi? Oh, yeah, I know Jim and Medi. They're great people, aren't they? Did you hear that at their, their kid's wedding, they ran out of wine? Tragic, tragic. You know, I mean, that's how you'd be known the rest of your life as the people who ran out. And so Mary comes up to Jesus going, we got a problem, we got a real problem. They're out of the wine. And and Jesus, after some conversation, has them to to take the water jars and and dip some out of the water jar and take it to the steward. That's the wedding director. And, And the wedding director takes it and tastes it And then goes over to the people who were throwing the wedding and goes, you messed up. What do you mean I messed up? Well, normally when you're throwing a party, here's the way you do it. You bring out the good stuff first. And after they get to the I don't really care anymore phase, (laughs) then you can bring out the cheap stuff. But this is the good stuff. This is the best stuff. I mean, this is better than what we started with. Year 30 was a good year. And Jesus turned the water to wine. The party continued. You hang out with Jesus. The celebration goes on and on and on. I'll follow you, Jesus. And I want to follow you to heaven, Jesus. I want to follow you all the way to heaven. I mean, the the promise of everlasting life... I mean, that's what we all desire. That's what we all hope for. I I will follow you, Jesus. I want to go to heaven with you. And, And Jesus finally looks at the crowds and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Before you just say you'll follow me, you might want to know what that means. Before you say you'll just, you'll follow me anywhere, you may want to know what that means because... You you can't celebrate everlasting life. You can't celebrate resurrection. You can't celebrate Easter Sunday without experiencing some good good Friday. There's there's not only an all-you-can-eat buffet. And there's not only a celebration that keeps going. But there is a cross. You need to know if you follow me, there's a cross. And what's interesting, when you read the scripture in the Greek, the Greek here is not plural, but actually singular. In other words, it's not if you all decide to follow me. It's not if the church decides to follow me it's not if the class decides to follow me or the life group decides to follow me it's an individual statement it's an individual greek term that says if you it's a personal one-to-one decision and conversation if you want to be my disciple i mean this is one of the place that the new revised standard which is the version i typically use probably needs to nuance it a little bit differently. The the New International Version says, for example, whoever wants to be. The New American Standard says, if anyone wishes to be. And the Today's English Version says, if you want to come. I mean, it's an individual term. It's not, you know, well, I didn't really want to do it, but the majority wins. No, this is not a group decision. This is you. You have to decide. If you want to be my disciple. And that word if is so important because it's not predecided. You have a choice to make. But before you make the choice, Jesus wants to make sure you have all the facts. I mean, he's not doing a bait and switch here. He wants you to understand if you choose to follow me, here's what it means. But now you get to choose. You get to choose. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him but not perish. But that means there is an option. There are some whosoever's that will, and there are some whosoever's that will not. You've got a choice to make. If you choose to be my follower, my disciple, this is what it means. And and the word follower here, or disciple in this place, I mean, Jesus is not saying, if you want to be my acquaintance, if you want to be part of the crowd, if you want to be part of the entourage, you know, he's saying, if you want to be my disciple, that means a student, a pupil, a learner, uh, one who emulates another. I mean, the word Christian means to be like Christ. So if you want to be Christian, if you want to be a disciple, not just an acquaintance and a spectator, but, I mean, a true disciple. Well, this is what it means. It means you've got to deny yourself. Deny yourself. That is not the easiest thing to do. I mean, we're, we're in an egocentric culture today. An egocentric world, I mean, that means it's about me-centered. Everything is about us. Everything is about us. It's our world. I mean, you probably met people that you, know, that you know it's their world. They're the center of it. I just have the privilege of living in it. But it's all about them, right? I mean, don't look at each other and point. But we have turned to kind of an egocentric kind of world. I mean, there's a a, a children's book out now called Me, My Selfie, and I. Me, My Selfie, and I. And one of the things, you know, when they were talking about it was that that we used to take pictures this way. You know, I want to see something out there. I want to capture something that's out there. I want to capture somebody else's life, somebody else's smile, someone else's experience. And, and now our pictures are taken this way. Because I want to capture what's out there, but I want to be up front in it. I want to be in the middle of it. I want it to be about me with that happening in the background, not about that with me in the background. We've changed our culture today. I mean, I think it's okay to take a selfie. Don't you know, Don't think, oh, here comes a preacher. No, I mean... It's okay to be engaged, but the point of it is, is, is we live in a world that's about us. About us. And, and Jesus now is saying you know, that, that if, if you're going to follow him, we've got to deny ourselves. It's not easy to do. My father, as you know, was a great man, and one of the things that he taught us was never ask somebody else to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And he was the head over this large uh, shop that took care of tractor-trailer trucks, diesel trucks. And, and, and Dad, you know, Dad's philosophy was, you know, he started out as a mechanic and he worked his way up. But you, you don't ever ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. If you're not willing to crawl under there and get greasy, you don't ask them to do it. If you're not willing to do whatever it is, you don't ask somebody else to do it. You don't ask anybody to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself. And, and Jesus modeled that. As a matter of fact, we're told that that one night Jesus was with the disciples in the upper room right before he died. And he got up from the table and he took off his outer garment. And he got a bowl and pitcher and he got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, gets on his knees and starts washing feet. Well, people traveled wherever they went, so their feet were nasty because they walked everywhere. And and so the job of the lowliest person in the household was was to wash the feet of the guests. And Jesus gets on his knees and washes the disciples' feet. And then he says to them, now just like I've done this to you, you're to do this with others. Wow, talk about denying yourself. I mean, he didn't go, I'm Jesus, bring the towel and water and wash my feet. No, he got on his knees and he washed and then said, now you're called to serve, not to be served. You're called to serve, not to be served. It's, it's why Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 5, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but rather he humbled himself, took on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and having been born in, and found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. But catch this, it goes on to say, even death on a cross. It's not simply that Jesus died for you. He died a heinous death for you. It's not simply that Jesus died for us. Jesus died a cruel, punishing death that we might be forgiven. Not simply death, but even death on a cross. So Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Deny yourself. And take up your cross. You know, there's so much preaching and teaching today that that goes so contrary to this. And and I'm concerned about what's going to happen someday when, when people stand before God and the question of faithfulness is raised. I mean, there, there are so many sermons and, and preaching that we hear today that's all about how if we just follow Jesus, life will be great. Follow Jesus, and, and it'll be one big picnic, loaves and fishes every day. If you follow Jesus, it's going to be one more party because the wine never stops flowing. Jesus keeps the celebration going. And all that's true, but there's more to the story. One very prominent megachurch pastor was even asked... You know, you just seem to preach all about uh, how you can have this wonderful life and everything is great and everything's beautiful and everything's rosy and and if you're wanting to live in that neighborhood, all you need to do is pray about it and claim it and you can move to that neighborhood. Also, it does take an offering. A contribution in the offering plate would help make that happen. Odds of that happening go up considerably when you give to the offering. I mean, it's absolutely amazing because that's not what Jesus said. And and when he was interviewed and asked, why is it that you only talk about those things and you don't tend to talk about the scriptures? Like Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Why why don't you ever preach about that? He goes, I just don't really feel led to preach that. Great. You know what we're going to do? Why don't we just change it this year? We're not even going to do Good Friday. We're just going to do Easter. It's so much more pleasant. But Jesus knew you can't celebrate resurrection if you don't acknowledge that Jesus had to die for you first. You can't celebrate Easter if we deny that Jesus had to die for us first. Take up your cross. I mean, just because you're a Christian does not mean life will always be easy. I mean, the 23rd Psalm, it's David who says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're right there with me. He doesn't say, because you're with me, I'll never go through the valley. No, you're going through the valley at times. But when you do, praise God, you don't have to be afraid. God will be right there with you. In John 17, when Jesus prays for the church and he prays for the disciples, he prays for us, he said, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world. I'm just praying that you'll protect them through it. I mean, being a Christian does not mean that everything will always be rosy. But it does mean it will be worth it. It doesn't mean everything will always be wonderful, but it will be worth it. And Luke said that Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciples, not an acquaintance, then you deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Daily. It's an everyday decision that we make that I will continue to walk with Jesus Christ. I mean the day we give our lives to Christ is so important, but it's an everyday decision to continue that journey with Christ. I mean, some of us can say, I I think it was, I think I was eight years old. It was at a very hot revival at our church in July. I think it was the 73rd verse of Just As I Am that I came down front. I mean that is important of when we give our lives to Christ is vital but but you can't hold on to that and then pretend that everything else is okay. Every day, deny yourself, take up your cross daily. We have to make a decision today, will I continue to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Will I continue to walk with God? And today's pretty easy, it's Sunday. But tomorrow morning, we have to wake up and decide, I will be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Friday night, we have to make a decision. I'll continue to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And when I'm away on a business trip, and nobody knows me and knows what I'm doing, I still make a decision, will I be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And when my spouse is away on a business trip and nobody's home and knows what we're doing, I'll still make a decision to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, wherever I am, whatever's going on in my life, I make a decision daily. Will I follow Jesus Christ? That's why I love the way Luke tells it, that, that Jesus said, do it daily. It's a walk that's an everyday walk. So Jesus said, follow me. So here's the deal, he said. I am not going to pretend that it will always be easy. But I will tell you what. I guarantee it will be worth it. To experience the forgiveness of our sins. To experience the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. To know that even though when I walk through a valley, God will be with me. That no matter what, I'll never be alone and abandoned. And to know that by His grace, and His grace alone, I have everlasting life. may not be easy. So before you commit, you need to know. It may not be easy. But I guarantee you, Jesus says, it'll be worth it.